Jesus, the king. But what kind of king? Was he a self-obsessed king? Or was he a servant king? You hear two sides of the story. Was he driven for power? Or was he driven for people? Because you hear two sides of the story. You know, I can answer that for you today. I can tell you what kind of king this Jesus is. I can tell you what drives this Jesus. Because on the day when he hung on the cross and before him he saw a sea of people that were mocking him and he saw a sea of people that despised him and he saw a sea of people who degraded and disrespected him And maybe he cast his mind to the days leading up to the cross of those close to him when he said, can you just look out for me? And they fell asleep. Maybe his mind went to the one who betrayed him. Maybe his mind went to the one who denied him. Maybe his mind went to the ones who only a week earlier had welcomed him in. But with the very same breath, shouted, Free Barabbas! Free Barabbas! And crucify Jesus. The bloodthirsty cry in their voice, Crucify him! Crucify him! Maybe, just maybe, when he was hung on that cross with a sea of people before him and many thoughts in his mind. Did he feel a right to be angry? So was Jesus a self-obsessed king or a servant king? driven by power or driven by people? Here, I have the answer. While he hung on the cross with the people before him and the people behind him, he said this, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And he cried that over the people before him and the people behind him who had hurt him and betrayed him. And he spoke that into eternity. He cried that out over me and you because he knew the people to come would deny him, they would betray him, they would welcome him and reject him. But you see, Jesus, my Jesus, My Jesus is a servant king. And my Jesus, he is driven by people and not by power. And that's why we can never, never, ever compare our king to the kings of this earth. Because it's beyond what any other king would ever do. He is beyond what any other king would stand for. And his heart was beyond the heart of any other king that would ever walk this earth and will ever walk this earth. 
And that is why he is seated in the place of highest honor. And he has the name above all names. And his name is Jesus. Today, I present to you a servant king. Not a self-obsessed one. I present to you Jesus. I present to you the king of all kings. I present to you your saviour and my saviour, your redeemer and my redeemer, your sacrifice and my sacrifice, your deliverer and my deliverer. Because Jesus is the servant king. Thank you, David. You know, I could tell you the whole Easter story today. And maybe some of you would listen to the end. And maybe some of you would switch off halfway through because you've heard it so many times. But you see, the Easter story isn't a storytelling moment. The Easter story is a moment of power. It is a moment that will change lives. And so today, I'm not going to tell you a story and tickle your ears because you're in church on Easter Sunday. I'm going to tell you a message that will change your life, whether you aren't a Christian, whether you got saved last week, whether you got saved 40 years ago, this message remains powerful because Jesus is alive today. You see, the servant king, your redeemer, your deliverer, he couldn't stay in the tomb because he himself is life. So he could not stay dead in the tomb. He wasn't just resurrected, he is resurrection. If you look up resurrection in the Bible, in the Bible, if you looked up resurrection in the dictionary, I'm not saying this is what it says, by the way, but bear with me. I reckon it should go resurrection Jesus. Okay, anyone else? Resurrection Jesus. That's it. Can I just put to you a different kind of story? I'm going to take my shoes off because... I don't know, I think I've got resurrection in my feet and I might get a bit excited and they're a little bit high, you might fly off. But can I just put something else to you? Imagine this. So Jesus is in the tomb. And he's dead. And then he suddenly, the Spirit of God brings him to life. And he's bound with his grave clothes. And he sits up. And he just sits. And he stays in his grave clothes. But he's alive. But he's in his grave clothes. And he's bound by his grave clothes. And he doesn't leave the grave. But he's alive. See, Jesus came that we would have life, a life in all its fullness. Could you imagine how different the story would read if Jesus was alive and remained in the grave? If Jesus was alive and remained bound by the grave clothes and people were trying to coax him out, come on, Jesus, come on, come on out. How different the story would read. 
Because you see, in that tomb, what happened was a spiritual awakening. The spiritual awakening that happened to Jesus that quickened his body. And when he came to life, he took off the grave clothes and he stepped from the grave into the garden because he stepped in to life. Because the garden symbolizes life and the grave symbolizes death. We sing a song from graves into gardens. And I've been singing this for days. I probably, I don't even know whether my kids in Barry have switched off to me singing it. But Jesus stepped from the grave into the garden and he left behind the things that were holding him back. Jesus could not stay in the tomb because he is alive. And the minute Jesus knew he was alive, there was no alternate plan other than to step from the grave into the garden and walk life in all its fullness. John chapter 20, verse 6 and 7. Then, Peter, then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Jesus didn't even step out into the garden with the grave clothes on. He was back in the grave and he removed the things that held him because he knew of the spiritual awakening that had happened within him that had quickened his body and he knew he was free. And he knew there was life in all its fullness. So before he ever stepped into the garden and then realized, oh, this is going to be a little bit difficult, so I'm going to have to go back into the grave. When he was in the grave and he had that spiritual awakening and that moment where God's spirit quickened him, he took off. He let go of the things that held him. He let go of the things. And in that, he stepped out into the garden in the freedom that was his in Christ. The freedom that was his in God's spirit that had been placed within him. And I would ask the question today. Are you in the grave or are you in the garden? Where do you live in your life? Now, you might have natural things that affect you. Yeah? You see, the things that bound Jesus, the grave clothes, they were natural things. They had been placed around him to go in the tomb. But the spiritual awakening that happened within him caused the grave clothes to come off. He knew that he couldn't live in them any longer. He didn't thought, think, oh, I'm going to give God a go. I'll just step out in the garden. I'll just keep the grave clothes on. And we'll see whether this is actually going to be lasting for me before I take them off. He knew the spiritual awakening that had happened within him. The spirit of God that was within him that brought him back to life spiritually and physically. He knew, I don't need this any longer. And my confidence in God means that I can walk free without these things that hold me back. But how many times do we live in the grave alive but bound how many times do we venture out of the grave and we're like this because we're still bound? But I want to tell you what happened in the grave 
When Jesus met you, when you gave your life to Jesus, his spirit came in you and in that moment you were free. And I think some people today in the room and online, you don't know that you're free. You're not aware that you're free or people have said about freedom and you're like, oh, that's great for you, but I'm not free because I'm still hobbling around the garden. And I'm not saying it to mimic or mock. I'm saying it to get the point across that Jesus, he left the grave clothes in the grave and he stepped out into the garden and he didn't take a snippet of the grave clothes with him for a memory, for a victory. He just stepped out and began to live life. He left the grave clothes behind him. He removed his grave clothes and he stepped from the grave into the garden and the garden was teeming with life. When he stepped into the garden, so much lay ahead. But he had to step out of the grave into the garden. And I believe in this place today and online there is a spiritual awakening that some of you need to be asking for. That some of you need to be talking to God and you need to say, listen, I've given my life to you. I'm a Christian. I'm saved, but I am bound and I need a spiritual awakening. I need a spiritual awakening for those that have had that before and you don't even feel like you've got it anymore. It's time, you know, the, for the, the, the tomb, that the stone was rolled away. Your stone is rolled away. But you are staying in the grave. Because you were once out in the garden and you went back in the grave. And you need to ask God for a spiritual awakening today. He will give it to you. Do you know how much he wants you to know him more? Do you know how much he wants you to walk in the freedom that he's already given you? Do you know what his heart is today? There is a spiritual awakening to be had. You know when Jesus is in the grave, there actually wasn't a big great fuss from people around. No one went in and laid hands on him. No one shouted, Jesus, come on. Jesus, Jesus didn't need it. All he needed was the Spirit of God. All he needed was that spiritual awakening for the chains to fall off metaphorically. That was all he needed for him to walk out of the grave and into the garden. What is it that God is highlighting to you today, whether you're watching online or whether you're watching in the room, where he's like, this is what's holding you back. I believe for some people, you know what's holding you back. For some people, it is an addiction. For other people, it's fear of getting hurt again. For others, it's fear of failure. Can I tell you a little story about me? And... When I lost my dad at 12 and I really struggled uh, with um, anxiety because of grief uh, and that I'd, I'd not handled properly and things, I had a realization that the anxiety and everything that I was dealing with was horrid. But I felt like I couldn't let go of it because it was all on you. That was the only way I could handle my emotions 
That was my safety thing because the minute I felt them feelings, come on, I would retreat and I'd go into a bathroom or I'd go into a room and nobody would know and I'd be like, oh, got myself under control because I didn't want to deal and face what was going on within me. And then when I came to God over it and I gave it to God and he, he healed me and he guided me how I needed to walk through that journey. And he was the most incredible counselor. He was the most incredible almighty God that had an insight that I didn't have. I realized a little bit further along, there was another reason why I was struggling to release. And to walk into the garden. And it sounds like the craziest thing. And I don't know anybody, whether anybody could understand it. I don't know, maybe. But it was this. I believe that if I started to live life. Gosh, I wasn't even going to share this and I'm getting emotional. I believed that if I was going to live life in all its fullness and walk away from this thing that held me, then I would be walking away from my dad. And I didn't feel I could do it because it was what I knew. And it was how I held him close. Those times and the anxiety would hit and I would hide away in a strange kind of way. It was me and him. It was me and my dad. But here's the thing. That wasn't free. That wasn't free. And I want to say to some people today, you are holding on to things because you feel if you let go of it, that's the only connection you have with something. But that thing is robbing you and it is eating you up. And it's the grave clothes that are holding you so tight. And you might venture into the garden, but you suddenly have to come back. Because you know, I'm not free enough to be in the garden. But there is freedom in the house today. There is freedom in your house today if you are watching online. And his name is Jesus. Because here's the thing. When I came to Jesus and I was like, I'm frightened of letting him go. I'm frightened of letting him go. Because this thing I have, it's all I know. This thing I have. Six years on, when I was about 18, 20, 21, whatever it was, I was 12 when he died. That's my only connection with him. And I'm frightened to let it go. You know what God did? Just kind of scooped me up. And he just loved me. And I knew it would be okay. But I had to release the grave clothes. I had to open my arms 
I had to unbound my feet and I had to walk into the garden knowing that I was free because of the spiritual awakening of the Spirit of God that had happened to me in that moment. Me and God, when I talked to him and I said, I don't know how I'm going to let it go, but yet I knew I could let it go because I knew I was in safe hands and I knew he would lead me and I knew he would guide me. But in that moment, I had a choice to trust the hands of God with my life, to trust him to fill the void, to trust him to heal my heart. And you know what happened? I grew up to be a 45-year-old lady who is free from the things that held me for so many years who can be in a situation where I can get tearful without anxiety, that I can be in a place where I can talk to my children about him because I never used to be able to talk about him without having a terrible feeling of being choked because of the anxiety. I'm in a place where I live in the most wonderful legacy and the most wonderful memories and the, the, the hurt of that time and the rawness of that time. Jesus healed me. He healed me and he's going to heal you and he's going to set you free. And yours may not look like my story, but that's okay. Because there is no end to what Jesus can do. He is the beginning and he's the end. He's the alpha and the omega and therefore everything in between he's the master of. So he's the master of your addiction. He's the master of your abuse. He's the master of your fear. Because he is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and the master of everything in between. When Jesus stepped from the grave into the garden, he lived like he was alive. He lived like he was alive. And for some people, God is saying to you, you've got to start living like you're alive. You've got to stop living like you're living with a limp. You've got to stop living like you're living bound because you're not, you're free. But you're not living like you're free. You've got to live like you're alive. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 He says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. So when Jesus is in the tomb, the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. So this just wasn't some kind of like, oh, Jesus has come alive, right? This is all very intentional. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. Okay, so it lives in you. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it lives in you. We got that bit? And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. I'm going to read that again. Come on. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Okay, so when I had this, this is what I realized. This is when my freedom came. It was when I realized, okay, the the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, this most incredible, miraculous story that 2,000 years ago we're still talking about, lives in me. So therefore, things can happen within me that in 2,000 years people are still going to be talking about. 
Because it's the same spirit within me. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. What's your grave? What's your grave clothes? Because I've got news for you. You can live like Jesus. You can live in the exact same freedom. You can live with the exact same power. Because that same spirit lives in you. What is your grave? And what is your grave clothes? Pornography? Alcohol? Drugs? Anger? Hurt? Betrayal? Smoking? Gambling? Pride? Luke chapter 24, verse 4 to 6. And as they stood there puzzled, these were the ladies that went to the grave, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here because he's risen from the dead. He's risen from the dead. I would ask you the question, why are you looking for the answers? Why are you looking for life when you are searching among the dead and you are searching among the dross of life? Why are you seeking out and searching out answers to your problems when actually you're looking where there is death and where there is dross because Jesus isn't there, because he's alive, he's in freedom. That's where Jesus is. And so today, you've got to step out of the grave of dross and you've got to step out of the grave of the things that trap you because that's not where he is. He's not in the grave. He's not in death. He's in life. He's in life. Your deliverer delivered you from the grave. Your redeemer bought you back and paid a price. Your savior saved you from a life that's not worth living and an eternity in hell. But he is alive. Don't search for him in the places where you won't find him. You've got to accept life. You've got to walk in life. You've got to release the grave clothes. And you've got to step from the grave into the garden. And he's calling you to do that today. And as we go into this time of worship, God is asking you to have a moment with him. He's calling you. He's calling you. He's saying, give it to me. Give it to me. I knew God was calling me to hand over to him the things that were binding me, but I kept them tight. But he's saying in this house today and in your home today is a spiritual awakening. But you've got to ask for it. You've got to cry out for it. You've got to give the things to me that you know are binding you, says God to you today. Because there will be a supernatural exchange.
one final thing. He died. He rose again. But he's not done yet. It's not the end of the story. You know, when it talked about the grave clothes, that Simon Peter arrived and went inside, he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. It was Hebrew tradition of that day that when the master was at the table and he was eating a feast, when he had finished, he would take his napkin, he would wipe his mouth and he would screw it up and throw it on the table a bit like we do at Nando's. And everyone would know he's done. On other occasions in Hebrew, Hebrew tradition, he would take his napkin and he would fold it up and he would place it on the table. Everybody knew he was saying, I'm not done yet because I'm coming back. When Jesus rose from the dead, the thing that covered his head didn't cast aside like the rest of the robes that were on the floor. Because you see, in the, in the crucifixion and the resurrection, sin and sickness and everything, that was all dealt with. It was like, I'm done. That is finished. But the thing that covered his head folded up. He placed it on one side. And as he walked out the grave, he went, oh, I'm not done because I'm coming back. Does that not bless your heart? It blesses my heart because here's the thing. Church, he's coming back. He's coming back. And he's coming back as the head of the church. And he's coming back for you, his people. And he's coming back for me, his daughter. Because as he walked out the grave, he was like, I'll be back. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. Look. Let's stand to our feet. He comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes and amen. Matthew 26, you have said it, Jesus replied. And in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming back on the clouds because Jesus is not done yet. He's coming back because he's not done and he's coming back for you.